him, and then he was saying goodbye. Well, then you kind of lost that service. Said the first one and the last one was always bad ones. Well, if that holds true, we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm here for two services. <laughs> but you know what? I, I think it would be good if we could just get acquainted quickly. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And then just have two apostolic services. Uh, would that be all right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I was born a long time ago. And I've never been little in my life. I came into this world when I discovered America. I came in at a whopping 12 and a half pounds. And uh, God, God bless my mother. And uh, today I am uh, 200 and none of your business. I'm five feet and 12 inches tall. But I will tell you, I am a one God, Jesus name, tongue, talking, Holy Ghost filled, apostolic believer in the liberated power in Jesus name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Woo! Oh, I feel it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel something. Hey, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. I feel it already. I feel it already. Because I feel something that I'm familiar with. I like to feel like I feel when I feel like I feel now. Oh, glory. Uh, somebody said, well, preacher, let me tell you, it's not all in emotions. I agree. It's not all sitting there either. If I didn't have any more than some folks have, I'd probably act like they act. <laughs> but I've got something to act like I act about. Hey. I repented of my sins and they were rolled away. I was baptized in his name. His blood covered my life. Hey, I've got a right to act like this. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pastor Townley, for the privilege to be here with you. And, of course, uh, we have known these folks uh, at somewhat of a distance for some time have not been real, real closely associated with them. Some of their family we've been very closely associated with down through the years and uh, admire and respect. We love them very much. Yesterday was a very pleasant day for us as the town is a very kind and hospitable people. You found that out. And then their children, uh, Megan and uh, Madison and uh, Mariah, just precious, precious children, well-mannered, and um, just so sweet and so kind. And, and they've made us feel right at home. My, uh, my daughter had a sign in her room when she was young and said, I am not hard of hearing. I'm ignoring you. <laughs> well, you don't like to be ignored. But you folks have just kind of, I feel the warmth of your spirit already. I, I've said this, you could take a preacher and, and put blindfolds on him, put earplugs in his ears, and they'd still know what's going on. 
that watch band came loose and it was bothering me. So I want to get that fixed to start with. But uh, they, they said there was a psychology professor walked into his classroom. He looked at his class and he said, class, Queen Elizabeth is queen in England. Hirohito is the emperor of Japan. Ronald Reagan is the president of the United States. How old am I? And everybody did to him just like you're doing me. He just bugged their eyes and looked at him. Next morning he walked in. He said, class, Queen Elizabeth is queen in England. Hirohito is the emperor of Japan. Ronald Reagan is the president of the United States. How old am I? And way in the back of the room, a young man raised his hand. He said, okay, son, how old am I? He said, 44. He said, you're exactly right. But by what process of intellectual deduction did you arrive at that conclusion? He said, it's pretty simple, sir. He said, I have a brother, 22 years old, in the insane asylum, and you're twice as crazy as he is. <laughs> Now, some folks say we're crazy. They walk into our service and they hear us shouting, Hallelujah! Clapping our hands, dancing in the spirit, and they say we're crazy. Well, let me tell you something, honey. We can't lose. Because my Bible said if we are beside ourselves or if we're crazy, he said it's for his cause. But he said if we're sober... It's for your cause, so you can't lose with this. Either way you go, we're going to win. Oh, yeah. Oh, such a privilege to meet Brother and Sister Alexandra this morning. God bless them, and I honor them for the many years of service that they gave to this church. And God, give them a good hand. I, I think that's wonderful. Praise God. Amen. But now... Perhaps he'll remember, some of you younger folks may not remember, but I remember a guy used to be on the radio and he called himself Reverend Ike. And Reverend Ike said, you can't lose with the stuff I use. Anybody ever hear of Reverend Ike? Yeah, yeah, some of you did. Can't lose with the stuff I use. I don't know what Reverend Ike was using, but I know what I'm using, honey, and you can't lose with this. I'm glad I'm an apostolic. I'm glad I've got the truth. Well, praise the Lord. Are we acquainted enough now to just have church? All right, good. Praise God. Uh, I, I just like to get acquainted a little bit. My wife will be greeting you tonight. I'm so glad that she's here. And, of course, my grandson Joshua is here. And my wife is, uh, normally sings for us, but she's been having some problems with her ears. But thank the Lord. We think the process is taking place right now that the Lord's going to take care of that, so you believe the Lord with us. But she'll be greeting you tonight. But I want to turn in the word of the Lord to the book of Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and uh, if you'll turn to the 15th chapter of Matthew, and if you can hold that place and then turn to Second Chronicles chapter 25. Second Chronicles chapter 25. And I'll read two passages, and perhaps the Lord has something to say to us today from His Word. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. 
This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And then in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 1 and 2, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jehoran of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Everybody say, God bless your word to our hearts. And you can be seated. Now in Second Chronicles, if that second verse would have read like this, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, period. That would have been so much better. But instead of a period, there's a comma. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, comma, and then a conjunction, but, but not with a perfect heart. He did that which was right, but not with a perfect heart. In the book of Matthew, he said, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Three things in those two verses, and I want, I want you to notice those. There's three things that he talked about. They draw near to God, they honor God, and they worship God. Let me ask you, is it right for us to draw close to God? Is it right for us to honor God? Is it right for us to worship God? But he said it's all in vain. These folks are doing the right thing. But they're not doing it right. And I want to preach to you by the help of the Lord today on this subject. Doing the right thing right. Everybody say it with me. Doing the right thing right. You can do the right thing wrong, and you're still wrong. You can never do the wrong thing right. I recall one day I was sitting at my desk, and uh, I reached over and picked up a rubber band, and I put it around some index cards, and it broke. So I reached over and picked up the rubber band and started tying it together. And I thought all of a sudden, I said, now, wait a minute, this is stupidity. I've got a drawer full of rubber bands. Now, not literally full, but a lot of rubber bands in that drawer. I could reach in there and pull a handful of rubber bands out, and it would only be a few pennies. If my time is worth anything at all, it's worth more than tying a rubber band together. So I made a resolution right then. I would never tie another rubber band together again. I threw it in the trash can with one exception. 
And that is, if it's the last rubber band I've got and I really need one bad, then I'll tie it together. But otherwise, I'm not going to tie rubber bands together. Now, if you want to tie rubber bands together, honey, go ahead. Tie them together. No problem. But to me, it's not worth it. Now, I've heard people say, and my dad used to say it many, many times, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Well, and I agree with that. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. But there's some things that's not worth doing. But I'm going to tell you what, the right thing is worth doing, but it's worth doing it right. I've heard people make statements like this. Well, you know, this is just one of those necessary evils. Have you ever heard people say that? This is a necessary evil. There's no such thing. If it's necessary, it's not evil. And if it's evil, it's not necessary. So I'm saying to you today that there are some things that we've got to do and there's some things that we must keep in mind that when we do the right thing, it's right to worship God. It's right to draw near to God. It's right to honor God, but you've got to do it the right way. The Lord said, these people are drawing nigh me with their mouth. They honor me with their lip, but their heart is not in it. And the scripture said that Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. His heart was not right. And so if you will allow me, I'm going to get down to where we live today. Is that that okay? Now, maybe this is not the right way you do it when you're being introduced to a new congregation that you start getting right down to where people live. And maybe you do something to make them shout and make everybody feel good. But I'm going to tell you what, if you listen to what I've got to say today, you may not shout a lot now, but, oh, brother, it'll make you shout later. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I want to get right down to where we're living. If your telephone rings, go ahead and answer it. Okay? So I'm going to get right where we're living. When we do whatever we do, we must have the right motivation. What motivates me to do what I do? I've got to have the right motivation. Sometime back, a man told me the story about a company that was called IDS, Investors Diversified Services. This was an investment company. And uh, another investment company by the name of American Express decided to buy them out. And in the acquisition, it took them quite a period of time. In fact, they started the process in 1984. And 10 years later, On their 100th anniversary, they completed the acquisition and uh, American Express brought out IDS. Somebody asked the CEO, said, why did it take you so long to acquire and to complete the acquisition of IDS? And he said, well, I'll tell you this. He said, we looked at this thing from every angle that we could possibly look at it. We did all the investigation and all the searching to make sure that there was not anything about IDS that would contaminate the name of American Express. He said uh, there's three words that are recognized around the world. 
He said, more readily, more quickly recognized than any words that you could speak. Now, this may be a surprise to you, but the number one word that's recognized around the world is McDonald's. Number two is Coca-Cola. And number three is American Express. Now, that may not be a coincidence because the Bible said in the end time they'd be doing what? Eating and drinking, McDonald's and Coca-Cola. And how can you eat and drink? Got to have some money, American Express. But he said, American Express, we don't want anything to contaminate the name American Express. And it took them 10 years to investigate, to search out, and to feel comfortable with saying, IDS can become a part of American Express. And I thought, oh my God, if a company and a name that doesn't mean that much as far as we're concerned, if they were that concerned about it, how much more should you and I be concerned about the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ? I don't want anything to contaminate that name. I don't want anything to even reflect upon that name in a negative way. If I worship God, I want it to come from the heart. If I draw close to God, I want it to be from the heart. If I praise him and worship him, I want it to be from the heart. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Oh, let's praise him, everybody. I said, that's a name that's above every name. I thank God when you call the name of Jesus, there's power in that name. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I don't want anything to contaminate that name. Let me tell you something. We're living in a day of deception. Everywhere. Any of you folks ever listened to the Apostle Paul Harvey? Oh, I see some hands. I heard him say one day that there was a country boy that went into one of the big cities and he saw a sign on a restaurant said, The best rabbit stew in the country. He thought, I'll just uh, try to get me some rabbit stew. Being a country boy, that sounded good to him. When he ordered it, he said uh, he started eating and it didn't taste just right. And he said to the owner, he said, there's something wrong. This doesn't taste just right. And he said, well, I'll have to admit to you it is mixed. He said, mixed with what? Now, Paul Harvey told this on his noon broadcast. He said, mixed with what? He said, well... He said, it's mixed with horse meat. He said, how much? He said, half and half. One horse and one rabbit. <laughs> Is that deception? That's deception to the nth degree. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. That deception is flowing over into the church. And I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. I believe that with everything that's within me. And everywhere I'm going, I'm telling people that Jesus is coming soon. We better get ready. We better get prepared because the Lord is soon to come. 
But I'm telling you that spirit of deception that is entered in that people think that all they've got to do is shake the preacher's hand, sign the assembly roll, and everything is all right. I'm telling you there's more to it than that. We've got to do the right thing, but we've got to do it right. I had a, I had a Catholic boy, and, and, and I'm not saying that as any reflection on any denomination. But he knew nothing about this Pentecostal experience, and he started coming to church. He was uh, probably 18, 19 years old. And uh, after service one night, I just walked by and, and shook hands with him. And when I did, he left a $10 bill in my hand. I said, look here. God's getting hold. You didn't leave anything. <laughs> I said, God's getting hold of his heart. Let me tell you, when God gets hold of the pocketbook, he's already got a hold of the heart. Oh, an amen's okay right there. I said, when God gets a hold of the pocketbook, he's already got a hold of the heart. Wasn't too long after that, I walked back by, shook hands with him. He left another $10 bill. You don't take a hint, do you? <laughs> he, he, he left another $10 bill in my hand. I thought, uh-huh, God has got a hold of this boy. It was a short time after that I saw him come to the altar, and he started praying. One night, he was praying, and some folks were praying with him, and I turned around, and I was praying, and we had a number of people in the altar. It was just a beautiful service. And I turned around, and everybody had left that young man. And he was standing there, tears flowing down his face. He had his hands lifted, and my heart just went out to him. And I said, Now, Lord, I read in a book where that those apostles laid hands on people and they received the Holy Ghost. I read where while preachers were preaching, the Holy Ghost just fell on them. And I said, you see this young man's heart, and if his heart is right, you can give him the Holy Ghost. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and I do not exaggerate, as soon as my hand touched his head, he began to speak in tongues fluently. <clears throat> Does anybody believe that that's the will of God? Do you really believe that that ought to happen? That when we lay hands on people, they receive the Holy Ghost? Well, buckle your seatbelt just a minute. I read in the book of Acts where a mighty revival was taking place. And when Peter and John came down and began to lay hands on people and they started talking in tongues, and they started receiving healing. And there was a man that came up and said, Hey, I want this power. Oh, I want to be able to lay my hands on people and see them talking in tongues. And that apostle said to him, You better go repent. And pray if perhaps... God will forgive you. What he's saying, I'm not sure if God will forgive you or not. He said, you pray. Now, wait a minute. You agreed with me just a minute ago that you felt like it was the will of God to lay hands on people and them start talking in tongues. Here's a man that wanted to do that, and he was so rebuked till he said, you may not even get forgiveness for this. 
You pray if perhaps God will forgive you for this thing that you thought. What was wrong? His motive was wrong. I said his motive was wrong. And God knew that that motive was wrong. And God said, I won't put up with that. Draw near to God. Worship God. Honor God. Doing the right thing. Wrong. And when you do the right thing wrong, you are wrong. We've got to do the right thing right. Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. I'm going to tell you, folks, we've got to get this thing in our hearts. I said we've got to get it in our hearts. We're not pat-a-caking for Jesus. You can pat-a-cake for Jesus if you want to, but this is one country boy that's going to walk streets of gold. Oh, hell! I said I intend to walk streets of gold. Somebody shout hallelujah. <clears throat> Just suppose that there's two men, and they tell their story. Both of these men have the opportunity to commit adultery. They could have gone through with the plan, but they did not. One of the men said, no, I'm not going to do that. Risk is too great. I'm afraid I'll get caught up with. I'm not going to do it. The other man said, no, I'm not going to do it because it's sin. It's wrong. I'm not going to do it. You look at the two men and say, here's two men of sterling character. But God looks at the two men and says, one of them is clean and pure, but the other man is an adulterer. Why? Because of his motive. One had the wrong motive. One had lust. And God said even to look and the lust, you're guilty. But the other, Joseph was in a far country, and his mistress tried to tempt him to do that which was wrong, and he said, how can I sin against God and do this thing? In a far country, nobody will ever know it but just him and her. But God would know it, and he said, I can't do this because God knows that this is not the right thing. Caleb said, it was in my heart. While ten men were saying we cannot possess the land, he said, it's in my heart. We can do it. Let me tell you something. It's not enough to obey truth. You've got to love truth. I said, you've got to love it. I told the people that I pastored, I said, there's some of you folks that are doing some things because I told you you need to do it. And I said, I respect you and thank you for honoring your pastor. When your pastor tells you what you ought to do, honor him enough. But that's not enough to walk streets of gold just because the pastor told you to do it. It's got to be in the heart. I said, if you do it because I told you to do it, it'll get old after a while. But if you do it because you love God, it'll never get old. Oh, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. 
I can tell you I've been living for God now for some 56 years, and I've never seen a place I wanted to go back yet. Uh, have I seen places I could have gone back? A lot of places, but no place I want to go back. I got a hold of something at that old-fashioned altar that night, and it never gets old. It never gets old. It never gets old. I'm telling you, I love it more today than I did then. My God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Woo! My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. I'm talking about doing the right thing, right. You can be seated. My God, somebody shout hallelujah. You feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10 said, Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They received not the love of the truth. My God, I've got to love this thing. I said to obey it is not enough. My motive has got to be right. My attitude has to be right. They told a story about of a, a Pentecostal church and a Christian church in a small community, and both of them had a small, small number. And they finally decided what we ought to do is consolidate, have one church, and there will be enough to have church. So the Christian church voted, and they voted all to consolidate with the Pentecostal church. Pentecostal church voted, and there was one man said, no, I'll never vote for it, never be for it. And they said, why not? He said, I've been Pentecostal all my life, and you're not going to make a Christian out of me now. <laughs> oh, my God, there may be more truth in that than humor. Some folks have been around for a long, long time, but let me tell you something, folks. We better be Christians. I said, we better be Christians. And to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. They told a story of a woman that had been bitten by a rabid dog. And, of course, any time a dog has rabies and their bit person is bitten, uh, that's a very, very dangerous thing. So they rushed her to the hospital, the emergency room. They wanted to give her the shots to make sure that she didn't take rabies. And, and she was sitting there writing, writing, writing. The doctor came in and said, oh, it's not that serious. What are you doing writing your last will and testament? She said, no, I'm not doing that. She said, I was just thinking about just in case I do have rabies, there's, these are some of the people that I want to bite. An attitude is a small thing. It's been said that when you walk in a building, that your spirit precedes you by 15 feet. Your spirit's 15 feet ahead of you. Now, I've been around a few places where I think their spirit preceded them a whole lot further than that. <laughs> Oh, I don't know anybody here. <laughs> I don't know. You folks are brand new to me. 
but I know that there's a spirit, that that spirit's got to be right. An attitude is a small thing. One guy was asked one time, said, uh, what kind of mileage are you getting on your vehicle? He said, well, the best I can figure it out, I think I'm getting 200 miles per gallon. <laughs> he said, that is if I got my decimal place in the right place. If I got my decimal point in the right place. Let me tell you something. He could have been getting 200. He could have been getting 20. He could have been getting two. A decimal is a small thing. But oh, how important it is. An attitude is a small thing. But how important it is. A lady came to me and said, I won't be back church anymore. I said, why not? She said, well, sister so-and-so didn't speak to me. Your pastor didn't give me any cues. <laughs> and I hope I'm not talking to anybody that's guilty of this. But, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I've already jumped up. I might as well run. And uh, <clears throat> so I don't know anything about anybody. But uh, she said, uh, this lady said to me, I'm not coming back because so-and-so didn't speak to me. I said, well, wait a minute. I said, did you speak to them? She said, no. I said, well, whatever gave you the idea that everybody's obligated to come speak to you? I said, you're just as obligated to speak to them as they are to speak to you. Anybody with me? Oh, my attitude's got to be right. Oh, there's a lot of things I could say, but I'm, I'm not going to go a lot further with this. But I will tell you that even telling the truth has got to be told right. I mean, tell the truth, but tell it right. There was a man that was uh, keeping a log for a captain on a boat. And he wrote in the log, the captain was sober today. Well, that was exactly right. He was sober every day. He never touched alcoholic drinks. But he told the truth, 100% truth, but insinuated something else, that it was unusual for the captain to be sober. Tell the truth, but tell it right. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. But don't say it mean. I think God's people have to do the right thing right. Now I'm telling you we're living in a day of technicalities. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just as honest as I know how to be. I'm totally transparent. I hate that spirit of technicalities that people are trying to find a loophole. Let me tell you something. If you don't love God enough, you will find a little technical loophole somewhere to do what you want to do. But if you do the right thing right, you're not looking for a technical loophole. You just, I love God and I want to do it for Him.
Am I making sense in what I'm saying? Let me, give, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. People have to qualify everything they say. Uh, a person could say, I did not say that John Henry kissed Molly Bell. Now, do we have anybody here named John Henry? Or do we have anybody here named Molly Bell? Okay, good, I'm safe. Because I'm not talking about impersonating anybody. I did not say that John Henry kissed Molly Bell. Well, what did I say? All depends on how you want to look at it. I did not say John Henry kissed Molly Bell, but somebody else said it, and maybe you repeated it. I didn't say it. Joe said it. I did not say that John Henry kissed Molly Bell, emphatically denying it. I did not say John Henry kissed Molly Bell, but you got the message across. You shrugged a shoulder, raised an eyebrow. Hello? I did not say that John Henry kissed Molly Bell. It was Joe Blow. But the point was Molly Bell was kissed. I did not say it was John Henry. I did not say John Henry kissed Molly Bell. Maybe he rubbed her feet. Rubbed her back. I did not say John Henry kissed Molly Bell. John Henry kissed Annie Sue. All depends on where you put the inflection. Anyway, you want to say. You know what I think about that? And I have had to deal with this over and over and over and over again. That somebody would make a statement and they could. Uh, you deal with four different types of people. Number one, you deal with the person that just misunderstands. They truly misunderstand. They're honest people, but they misunderstand. There's a second group that will twist it to make it look good for them. There's a third group that will tell the truth, but they'll take it out of context and make it say something that it was not supposed to say, like the captain was sober today. And then there's a fourth group that will actually fabricate things. They will make up things, and they know it's not true. And you're going to have to deal with all four of those people in your lifetime. What I'm saying to you today, my friend, look, just tell the truth. Tell it right. Truth has got to be blended in with peace. I, 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 could, I could talk about that a long, long time. Uh, we've got to have truth. But we've got to have peace to go along with it. We can do the right thing and wrong. Cain did the right thing. He offered a sacrifice, but it was the wrong sacrifice. Abel offered the right sacrifice. God said, I accept that. He said, Cain, I reject yours. God said, you got to do it. Nadab and Abihu offered their offering. Their, their uh, sacrifice on the altar, the, the fire, the strange fire, and God said, I will not accept that. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 said, You're the light of the world. See, sit on a hill. Cannot be hid. Neither do a man light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. How many times have you heard people say, you know, I felt the presence of the Lord in that service, and, and I felt like running, I felt like shouting, I felt like clapping my hands. I just didn't do it because I don't want to be noticed. There's no scripture for that. Because Jesus said, you 
are the light of the world. A city that sit on a hill. Men don't light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick that it can give light to all that are in the house. So let your light shine that men may see your good works. Is that what your Bible said? God said, let your light shine so people can see your good works and give you glory and praise for what you've done. No. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. If I feel like running the aisle, run the aisle so people can say there's something real in his heart and God gets glory for it. If I feel like clapping my hands or dancing in the spirit, I do it so God will get glory. I don't want to do it just so somebody else could get glory, but I want God to get glory from what happens. Woo! Somebody shout Hallelujah! I'm going to hurry. Last but not least, well, look, just, just before I go there, let me say this. I read an article in National Geographic that told how in the Arctic regions that they catch a wolf. They take a knife and they uh, freeze that knife, get it real, real cold. They freeze it, and then they dip it in blood. Freeze it again, dip it in blood, freeze it again. They do this until there's a pretty thick coat of blood on the blade of that knife, very sharp knife. Then they take it out into the wild, and they anchor the handle of that knife so it will not be knocked over. It's very secure. The wolf comes along, and he starts smelling the scent of the blood. And then he finds it, and then he starts licking it. And the more he licks that blood, it opens up those taste buds to that wolf, and he licks and licks and licks. And as he licks on that frozen knife blade, it numbs his tongue. And then after he licks the blood off, the tongue strikes the sharp edge of that blade and then he keeps licking and he's still tasting blood but he doesn't know that he's tasting his own blood and he will continue to do that until he literally dies consuming his own blood. And I'm going to tell you we better never let that spirit of greed and selfishness get a hold of us to where we perish in our own greed and our own selfishness. My attitude has to be right. I could take you to many places in the Bible. There was a very successful businessman that tore down his barns and built bigger barns, and the Lord said, you're a fool. Was he a fool because he was an ignoramus? No, but because he didn't exercise his God-given senses in the light of eternal truth. I don't care how smart you are. You can have a Ph.D. You can have a successful business. You can do anything you want to do. But if you don't put God in his right place, you're in trouble. I said, you're in trouble. We better put God in his right place. So I'm saying to you that we've got to have the right 
attitude. Our attitude's got to be right. And last of all, we've got to execute the plan the way God said it was supposed to be done. We've got to know his plan. If I don't know his plan, how can I execute it? How can I carry it out? But I thank God that I read in this book that he said the foundation of it is this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he said, the promise is to you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. How many does God call? Psalms 50 and 1 said he called from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. He's calling every day. So this salvation is for everybody. I said it's for everybody. It's for everybody. But a carpenter cannot build a house if he don't know what a house looks like. So you've got to know what it's like in order to do it. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, If our gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But I was preaching a camp meeting up in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, and one of the pastors from Philadelphia came to me one night and told me a story. He said, I was preaching revival down south in uh, Mississippi. And he said uh, uh, the pastor and his wife both had to work. It was a small church, and they weren't able to support them financially. So he said, <clears throat> he said I wanted to do something to show them I was a good evangelist. And so he said, one day I got to looking around, and right out behind the back of the house was a thistle patch. And he said, I got out there, and I cut it all down, burned it, cleaned it up. And he said, I just sat there anxiously waiting for them to come in and to see what this good evangelist had done to make them proud of me. And he said, the wife, when she came in, she walked over to the sink, and there was a window and it looked right out the back where that thistle patch was. And she op when she looked out that window, she said, Oh, no. Oh, my God. My okra. Oh, God, no. My okra. Oh, God, my okra. He said, I didn't know what okra was. He said, I thought she was talking in tongues. Oh, God, no, my okra, my okra, my God, no, my okra, that dumb Yankee. He said, I knew what she's talking about then. Well, let me tell you something. What is worse than not doing anything is to do what should not be done and to do it well. Here was something he should have never done in the first place, but he did it real well. I'm telling you to carry out God's plan. We've got to find out what his plan is, and then we've got to do it right. Oh, I'm closing with this. When David decided that it was time to go get the ark, when they first went after the ark, the Bible said they put it on a cart. And God had said to them, when that ark is moved, it had, uh, it, it, it had been in the household of Obed-Edom, and great blessings had come to him, and he thought it's time to move it back 
to where it belongs. And they were moving that ark, and they respected and honored that because that was a type of God's presence that was with them. And while they were moving it, the oxen stumbled, and the ark was about to fall, and a man put his hand up to steady it, and when he touched it, God struck him dead. God had said to them, you don't touch that ark. I'm going to tell you, there's some things we just don't touch. Hello? Some things we just don't touch. So they left it. When they decided to go back and get the ark the next time, they said, we're going to do it right this time. We went after the ark. That was the right thing to do. But we didn't do it right. And in First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 12, listen to what he said. Musicians, come and just play softly. First Chronicles 15 and 12. And they said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. And here it is. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. We sought him not after the due order. He said, the reason we got in trouble, we were doing the right thing to go get that ark, but we didn't do it right. God said, when that ark is moved, you take some staves and go through those rings, and then you let those priests put it on their shoulders, Amen. and you let them carry that ark. I'm saying to this church today, it's not enough to do the right thing. You better do the right thing right. Amen. You better have the right motives. You better have the right attitude. And you better do it just like God said to do it. Let's lift our hands and let's love Him. <clears throat> Come on, let's let our spirit reach out to God right now. Let's let our spirit reach out to Him. To Thy precious bleeding side. Come on, let's give God a chance to talk to us right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus.
say this and again I, I hope you don't think that I have been too aggressive my first visit to your church but I've been trying my best just to follow the leading of the spirit I, I really have because I'm, I'm concerned I see a lot of things happen. I see people going through the motions I see them pat-a-caking for Jesus. I see people call themselves worshiping, but their mind is somewhere else. And the Bible said, Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. This people draw near to me, God said. They honor me. They worship me. But he said their heart's not in it. Let me tell you something, folks. When people walk through the doors of our church and they don't have God, they know whether your worship is true worship or not or whether it's mechanical. Let me ask you this. What do we do in our services that we could not continue to do if God just withdrew His Spirit from us and His Spirit was no longer there. What do we do that we could not continue to do? We can sing. You don't have to have anointing to sing because there's people all over the country singing this morning that has no anointing. We can preach. A preacher doesn't have to have anointing to preach because there's preachers by the thousands are filling pulpits today that are not anointed of God. If they are, well, then we're wrong. So you don't have to have play musical instruments. We don't have to have anointing from God to do that. They're doing that in the nightclubs. But here's the difference. When you play those instruments and God anoints it. And when you sing and God anoints it. And when you preach and God anoints it. Then lives are changed. People are pulled out of the flames of hell. I'm saying, let's don't just sing. Let's do it right. Let's don't just preach. Let's do it right. Let's don't just worship. Let's do it right. Let's do it the way God wants it to be done. Oh, come on. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him and do it the right way. It's from the heart. I love God. I feel the Holy Ghost flowing in this room today. Hey, let's do it again, singer.
time, receive this word into your heart. Receive it into your spirit. Oh, draw me From my heart, Lord. Jesus, 